Welcome to the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast. It's a podcast that amplifies the voices of people with multiple chemical sensitivity, or MCS, also known as environmental illness, chemical intolerance, and toxicant-induced loss of tolerance, or TILT. The podcast also highlights emerging research about the illness. I'm Aaron Goodman, host and founder of the podcast. This is episode 25, and the title is Safe Dentistry and MCS. It features a conversation with Dr. Amy Darius. Dr. Darius has practiced integrative and aesthetic dentistry in Roswell, Georgia, in the U.S. since 1996. She takes a natural, holistic, and biologic integrative approach to care when possible. Dr. Derry's personal experiences with lead and mercury toxicity led her to develop an interest in dentistry for people with multiple chemical sensitivity. She is a fellow and faculty advisory board member with the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine in the U.S., Dr. Darius is also a board member of the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology and the American Academy for Oral Systemic Health. In our conversation, you'll hear Dr. Darius explore how to find a dentist who understands MCS, how to ask a dental office not to use air fresheners and scented products, amalgams and if they should be removed, testing for dental materials that people with MCS can tolerate, root canals and safety issues, and more. I hope you enjoy the conversation and find it a benefit. We release new episodes twice a month. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can now subscribe to hear bonus episodes featuring experts on MCS and information you won't hear anywhere else. Thanks for subscribing. It helps us to continue making the podcast available and creating greater awareness about MCS. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help others learn about the podcast. And find us on social media. Just search for the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast or Podcasting MCS. Leave your comments about anything you hear on the podcast and please share the podcast with others. You can watch the podcast on YouTube and read closed captions in any language you like. Please support the podcast. Find a link to our Patreon site and episode descriptions at chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. And if there's someone you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast or a topic you'd like us to explore, just let us know. Email info at chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. And thanks for listening. Dr. Darius, it's wonderful to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me as a guest, Aaron. You know, dentistry and the challenges that people with multiple chemical sensitivity face in terms of going to the dentist, I think it's on the minds of a lot of people with the illness. So I'm really grateful to you for sharing your insights. In your view, do you feel that the profession as a whole, dentists by and large, have enough information about multiple chemical sensitivity, environmental illness, in order to respond to people's needs? I think that's a growing uh, need in our field, in our profession. Um, dentists, we get a lot of I would say in traditional dental schools, we, there's a bit of hazing that goes on and you're trying to corral a bunch of people that when we start our professional programs that have maybe different backgrounds, different uh, disciplines pre prior to coming to dental school. And at the end of it, we need to be able to do 
strictly pure dental things with competency and hopefully excelling in those things, not just barely getting a decent filling. So a lot of this type of education, I think, is going to need to come from postgraduate programs or from continuing education. And with all the chronic illnesses that we are seeing in today's world, more and more people are showing up in our chairs with these chronic problems. And so that's going to, I think, you know, it's like supply is going to create the demand. And so we are seeing increasingly at our dental conventions, and you're going to see new topics like this. This is considered, I'd say, a new topic for our dental profession. You're going to see that at these conventions and these CE programs outside of the schools first, and it will get to schools, but it's probably going to take a few years. We have a lot. We have extensive oral pathology throughout all four years of our dental programs, but and some of it dabbles and touches in on this, but this is a growing field. It's exploding. Yes. The numbers of people with MCS, EI are growing. And just for listeners, could you talk a little bit about your own practice and how often do you have patients coming to you to see you specifically because of your knowledge about how to treat folks with the illness? So I I was one of those people that I did go back and do some postgraduate work. I, I ended up uh, doing an integrative medicine fellowship at the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Uh, some of my colleagues might do it with the Institute of Functional Medicine or seek out additional training other places. But, but I, I went with AIHM. Some of my training was in, or, in Portland and other parts of San Diego. But uh, I do have people that call specifically because they are chronically sick with things. And so first of all, we, we recommend to our patients that they might bring in or have, maybe send ahead any recent lab tests they've had, any, any kind of recent lab tests from any practitioner that they're seeing. A lot of these people, when they are sick, they've tried, they've had to go to multiple offices and they're They've been desperate. They've been in places of desperation. As a dentist, I also had gotten myself there about 10 years ago. I had I had heavy metal sensitivities, uh, tremendous heavy metal loads from the work I was doing, which actually catapulted me into changing how I practice and going back to school and doing a lot of education for myself to familiarize myself with, with these topics. Um, so sending in lab work ahead of time, that's one option. If you have any heavy metal testing, uh, that would be helpful. Or maybe you also bring in, uh, or we can seek out a dentist. I happen to be a part of something called the International IAOMT, um, International Association of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, as well as another group called American Academy of Oral Systemic Health. So you might seek out a dentist that's either a member of the IAOMT or AOSH, A-A-O-S-H, because these are the types of dentists that have discovered that there is a need to know. And we do have very heavy amounts of continuing education ongoing, multiple opportunities throughout the year, some virtual and two in-person conferences a year. But sending ahead your laughs is an excellent way. I mean, sometimes people send in, sometimes it's a book. So you're not alone out there if you have been affected with chemical sensitivities and you've been around the world to all these different doctors. You're not crazy. You need validation and um, you need to start that's a, those two social dental groups, professional dental groups, are good ways to start finding who is in your court, who is going to have respect for your journey, where you've been, 
and hopefully some know-how about where you need to go. The other thing I love about those two professional groups is it's unfortunately some of our uh, professional groups in dentistry are like sort of like pay to play where you can join, but you don't have to do. And with these two, they're on both of their websites, there is transparency about what backgrounds those dentists have had. So, you know, if you're looking at a locale, uh, you know, some locality and um, you can read up more specifics on what that particular dentist has to offer and what their background is. That's a good clue. Good, getting, getting on that dentist website. And those two professional groups will link you to the prospective websites. Thank you. And I will provide links to those organizations in the show notes for listeners. Are, the, are those primarily for dentists based in the United States? And if so, should people just look for other associations if they're not in the States? And should they seek out holistic or biological dentists if they're out of wondering what to do? Yes, those are really great questions. So the International Association of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, IAOMT, is truly international. They actually will have an Australian conference. They have one in South America. They have European conferences. And there really is a network. And they'll have typically at some of their conferences, somebody come from one of the other groups on one of the other continents. And so there is a, a cultural, cross-cultural reference where there's a, di- a constant dialogue going on. The AOSH, American Academy of Oral Systemic Health, it is a newer organization. And it's really more of a spinoff in a way. I don't want to misquote them, and I'm so, but it's it feels as a as a member, as a board member, more of a spinoff of the American Dental Association. So it's a, maybe a little bit more mainstream. It's a and but that one has also doctors. Now both of these groups do work together. Uh, they weave in and out a bit together, and frequently, at least once a year, these are generally these. Each of those groups has a, a live conference twice a year, but they'll collaborate with another medical group as well. So IMBD is one of those groups. There's several. There's a collaborative effort with AIHM, and that's where I did my fellowship. So you can also go on, you were asking like where where else you might go. You can go to some different physician websites. So Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine would be one. Institute of Functional Medicine would be another one. IAMBD would be another one. A lot of lot of letters. I don't mean to be confusing with all the letters, but looking for a holistic or a functional or an integrative dentist, a biologic dentist. Those are the buzzwords. But you need to understand out there that if you were talking about somebody being an oral surgeon or an endodontist, orthodontist, there are fellowships specifically at the dental school program, residencies at those dental programs that are two or three, sometimes up to five years for oral surgery, residency programs for people who are already dentists and now they're specializing in that. We don't have that for somebody to call themselves a biologic, integrative, holistic, functional dentist. So this is why looking at the dentist's background is going to be very, very important because you're not going to get the same consistent care from practice to practice. It's not It's not quite the same. That's why these the live education is really important because you're, you're, there isn't a, an actual fellowship. There's not like a test where now you are officially a biologic dentist with some of those people. You have to look for the people that aren't just paying to play or calling themselves something. There are, there are in some of these programs testings and extra degrees that you can earn, but that's, again, just you don't have to to call yourself something. That's all I'm trying to say. That's very helpful. I think it'll be helpful. I think that'll be very helpful for listeners 
some of the challenges, maybe I could just run some by you and and you know check in with you, get your pulse on, your reading on these. When we go to the dentist, we're often confronted by you know scents in the office, chemicals in the environment, such as air fresheners, cleaning products, scented laundry products. Do you hear that from a lot of people, or what's your response to that? Do you think that's just like does not have a place in the dental office, should not be part of the space in order to make sure it's accessible for folks? I think it would be wise to be very careful. So, for instance, with our team, we ask people to not wear colognes, perfumes, or things that have a lot of scent to them. We also have level 5 air filtration. Um, The company is called Surgically Clean Air. They were, earlier this year, they were merged with a dental company, dental supply company called ADAC. But Surgically Clean Air has traditionally been sold. They initially started their products, it looks like a cylinder. It's an air, it's a level five air freshener. So they've been used in hospital settings and some of the dental school settings. But initially they were used with the hockey, the professional hockey groups and some of the other professional sports arenas where you, where you have people sweating in a locker room before and after a practice or a game. It's, it, I think you're going to find more and more of this, especially especially after the COVID uh, pandemic that we've been through, we are realizing how things can hover in the air for up to 10 hours after somebody has left a room. So you have somebody just haphazardly have a little cough. They may just have an allergy, but whatever this, whatever was in that bacterial, the bacteria in that spotum, whatever chemicals were in that spotum can, can linger. So I, I would recommend an office that's got good air filtration. And I think we'll see more and more of that being mentioned. In a lot of biological dental practices, we already use high-end air filtration because we are trying to really limit the amount of chemicals that are being spewed by our dental work. Because just like when you flush a toilet or somebody coughs, we use a lot of aerosol spraying. When we use um, like a Cavitron or a Profi, things to clean the teeth. When we remove amalgams, which are the silver mercury fillings, they're half mercury by molecular weight, um, but they also have copper, tin, and zinc in them. We are grounding those up. We try to take those out in a big piece, but you're going to get this releasing of those chemicals into the air. And the reason that's a big concern is mercury at room temperature is a liquid. That's why you would have it in thermometers traditionally. So you heat that up with a lot of friction, 1200 RPMs uh, with a drill, and you are not just liquefying that stuff. You're going to, there's going to be a little bit of gassing up. So we also use like um, some hose on uh, like a, it looks like an elephant trunk. I call it your little buddy during the dental procedure. So we have that resting on your chest and it provides another level of air filtration. So we, we try to do it on the patient during any of these aerosol producing procedures. And then we have these surgically clean air machines throughout the office. And those, like I said, they're also used in hospitals and these professional locker rooms. They'll do 1,200 square foot square feet every 90 seconds. So they're constantly being turned over and we have to keep the filters up to date. So I think I didn't quite answer your question. Uh, no, I, I think that's really sounds like what you're describing sounds like an ideal environment in many ways. A lot of people who may not have the ability to access a clinic such as yours, I've heard anecdotally people talking about or suggesting wearing nose plugs, wearing personal protective equipment or PPE, masks, or calling ahead and asking 
people if they could turn off the air fresheners or not use them, not use scented products, etc. Would you recommend any of those steps? Yes, and I would recommend all that you just said, but also just notify the team, okay? And oftentimes it's very helpful to have an earlier morning appointment because even if the team does the right things, you could have a patient coming in before you. Now these this high-end um, air filtration equipment, it also is very helpful reducing with reducing odors, okay? You may not just, you could just do a cursory ask. I know there's all different types of sensitivity levels out there, but I think wearing a mask, it's, it's doable up to a point, but being a dental office, you're going to have to take the mask off. So that might be helpful, like in the reception area. We really have tried to clean up our act and not have a lot of aerosols. Um, the laser is another place I haven't mentioned. In Increasingly in the field of dentistry, we are using lasers instead of drills for a number of our procedures. You cannot use a laser when you're removing an amalgam, one of those silver mercury fillings, but you can use them for a lot of other restorative procedures. And anytime you're exposing the mouth to a laser, we always have these funny medical words. We refer to what's being cast off as a plume. And all that really is, is it's a fancy way to say that we heat something up with a laser and there's going to be um, an evaporation that happens, either in the tissue, if we're using it on soft tissue procedures, periodontally, gum, gum tissue procedures, or if we're using it literally on a tooth, there will be a gassing off to some degree of, again, what contents are in the mouth. And again, that goes back to why in-office heavy air filtration is so important. And that's why an earlier morning appointment is good because we leave our filters on all night. So if you catch us earlier in the morning, there's just less of a chance, even though we're doing the best we can, there's going to be far less of a a risk that you're going to end up being exposed to anything. Thank you. You mentioned amalgams and, you know, I hear a lot about people removing, going to dentists to remove amalgams. Could you please explain for folks who aren't extremely familiar with what are amalgams and do you recommend they have them removed if they have MCS? Yes, I'd be. Lo- I'd love to. So one of the big reasons that this group IAOMT is in existence and it was founded in 1978 was there had been this big argument for decades about the risks, the concerns about mercury usage. And dental offices are the largest proponent or um, contributor of getting mercury dumped into our waterways. If we take out a paper clip, one gram of weight of mercury from your body, and if we were to put it into a 10-acre lake, the EPA would say you should not eat the fish from that 10-acre lake because of potential mercury contamination. So when I have people come in with a lot of times people with chemical sensitivity problems, they have a lot of other things going on healthcare-wise. They've already been around the world with a bazillion doctors, been told and tried a bazillion different things. It So the priority of when do we take these out is really going to be on the individual and what their condition is. I prefer if we take them out, I prefer if we take them out when they have some sort of a stability with their health care. But if they've tried everything else and everything keeps coming back to heavy metals, then it might be best for them to, to have them removed. Let me back up a minute. So heavy metals, the, con- the contents of the amount filling material. It's half, about half mercury by molecular weight, although it's deemed as a catalyst. 
it helps to bond all the, the mercury helps to bond the other metals together. And the other metals in an amalgam, which means mixture, it's what it actually means, amalgam means mixture, um, are copper, silver, copper, tin, and zinc. So it's about 28% silver, and then in descending order, copper, tin, zinc. Heavy metals also indicates lead. It indicates gandolinium. There's a, if you do a test, and I think one of the best tests to find out if you're a carrier of heavy metals is with a hair test. This particular one, I'm not, I don't make any money, profit from anybody. This one happens to be by a group called Doctors Data Lab. They have a location in Florida. They have another location, I think, up in the Chicago area. But being in Atlanta, I, I work with the one in Florida. It's easy. But um, all you do is you, you send in a little sample of non-chemically treated hair, and you get back a report. It would be sent to a doctor, and you might need to request a doctor to open a professional account to, have, to help you do this. But uh, we just charge, we just tell the patient to pay the lab. It's about a $65 test. And in this case, they're testing you for arsenic, cadmium, calcium, chromium, copper, iron, lead, lithium, magnesium, manganese, mercury, nickel, selenium, zinc. Um, also, they can also test for iodine, phosphorus, potassium, sodium, and sulfur. And you might not have thought of calcium as a metal, but it, it in the periodic table of elements, which everything in our world is either a metal or a non-metal, so we're talking about pure chemistry now, you, you need a good balance. You need a balance, for instance, of calcium to have strong bones, but you can have an overage where now it can affect like your parathyroid gland. It can affect you metabolically as chemical sensitive people, I'm sure, have done a lot of their own research. So we recommend a hair test. We recommend if you've had, if you're that person that's had maybe a lot of autoimmune issues, we'd recommend, it, you know, maybe having a, a panel done on dental materials. Because even though we may have switched to all, for instance, BPA-free tooth-colored filling materials, you know, the difference between BPA-free resin and one that's non-BPA-free is just sometimes just where they move to carbon from this from this bond, this covalent bond to that one. So they can be similar. So while we, a lot of people are aware, they've heard of BPA, oh, I don't want a BPA. They may not realize that some of these other ones are, they're they're definitely better. They're so much better than like a mercury silver filling. But if you've been that person that's very, very sensitive, you can request some of these lab tests. This one happens, this example happens to be from Biocomp Labs. And you want to keep in mind, if you have a cavity or a toothache, it can take three to four weeks on average to get these results back and it's a blood test. So I've talked about two different tests. We've talked about the hair test for testing to see if you have heavy metals. And we've talked about just a dental materials panel. The dental materials panel is going to test you for three to 400 different name brand products in dentistry. It takes several weeks to get back. The hair test, the test for heavy metals, also takes several weeks to get back. So if you're having a dental problem, it's prudent to call a dentist or try to find a dentist, maybe even pre-plan. What if I need a dentist? Just have one maybe picked out. A stitch in time saves nine, as they say. So in terms of prioritizing, if you've got somebody really sick, the chemical lab panel is about a $350 test. So I have a lot of people that are sensitive to chemicals, but they're also on a budget. This is where finding somebody who's collaborating, who's going to these classes with these professional groups, is going to be aware. And you may not feel that you need to spend that money. Or maybe you do feel like it's helpful. In terms of prioritizing, when do I take out these silver mercury amalgams? Find out what your heavy metal load is. And the reason this is, I'm talking about heavy metals, A, it is a chemical, but but B, you may have been exposed to lead and have no idea. You may, these silver fillings that have mercury, when there's lead present in the body, you're going to soak up more mercury every time there's friction or heat 
applied to these metals in your mouth. Because remember, that mercury is supposed to be a liquid at room temperature. What's keeping it in that solid state is it's mixed in and you've got this fledgery, this amalgam that holds everything together, but you get a skimming off of the chemical. And uh, they're synergistic, so they love each other, in other words. And they bind to your sulfur atoms, and sulfur atoms are on every hormone, basically an enzyme in your body. So you've probably seen news stories out there about like a duck that's uh, been in an oil slick. And, you know, there's been an oil spill. And uh, the duck has always known how to swim, at least since it was a little duckling. But it can't swim. It can't operate its body. It knows how to swim, but it can't move its body. And these chemicals lock up your ability. The heavy metals lock up your ability for your enzymes and hormones to work normally. So you want to know what your levels are. If you're very high and you're very sick, that might help for you prioritizing getting these out faster. Otherwise, you may say, you know what? I'm not stable. I'm having a tremendous amount of gut issues. I know I need to get this done, but I want you to be somewhat stable. And I'd also like to say something about dental implants. The only dental implants I've seen fail are in people that have a lot of gut problems. And well, it doesn't mean that you've never had a that you've ever had a gut problem, so you can't have a dental implant. They, they are very, very successful. But what you don't want to do is have, you may have to get a tooth extracted because you've got an abscess, an infection. But you don't, if you're having a lot of gut instability, you want to let that gut heal first before you have the implant placed. It's going to have a much, much, much greater likelihood of success because when that gut's messed up, since 90% of your immune system cells are in the gut, that's going to really uh, prevent you from healing well. And if you're laden with these heavy metals, you're laden with other, other chemicals that aren't considered heavy metals, but they're still chemicals and you're not well, you want to get to a place of stability. So this is where we try to counsel people. Sometimes it's not the first thing you want to do is take these out. Sometimes that's not the first thing you want to do. You want to get your gut healthy as much as you can and then move into that. And maybe you can't get your gut healthy until you get the fillings out. But we have a conversation about that. Well, you have just so much knowledge. I mean, I just wish everyone could have an opportunity to to see you as their dentist. You, you just have so such a so much information and thank you for sharing everything i think a lot of people have may have questions about root canals i've often heard that root canals often can contain toxic materials can potentially even trigger multiple chemical sensitivity what are your thoughts on root canals should people just strictly avoid them are there safe ones that people can have and if they've had them should they be removed in some way so those are great questions there is some medical data that's coming out that is linking there seems to be a correlation with certain types of for instance cancers with people that have root canals and those cancers oftentimes will be on the same side of the body as that tooth with the root canal these teeth are all your teeth are like a switchboard so they are between your brain and everything else your heart and and they are connected to the meridians. So you have um, these acupuncture figures, okay? And um, I don't know how much of this is podcast, and sometimes people might watch something. But if you're listening, just what I'm showing is a is an acupuncture uh, model, a little plastic mannequin, and it's showing all these crisscrossing lines um, that start really on the by the feet and meander all the way up the body. And a lot of them, well, they culminate in the jaw area. And so, for instance, the gallbladder meridian starts by the pinky toe. It's this light green one of 
for anybody who might be able to watch this. And it meanders all the way up and um, up through these teeth here. And so when you have a tightness, maybe in your ankle from an old soccer injury, um, maybe you've had a surgery, a knee surgery done, you have messed with that meridian. There's gonna be a surgical field. And when there's a crimp somewhere, there's gonna be, it's sort of like having a, a tightness on that whole line. For any of you out there who've ever stripped meat off of a chicken, the um, meat tears off the chicken off the bones a certain way. So imagine if somebody did that to you, and actually they have done this in Chinese medicine, where they've taken the meat off of a, of a cadaver and it tears up a certain way. So think about this is how, if somebody were to take my meat off of my body, this is how I would tear. And what I'm saying is these, how do these connect to the teeth? The, the muscles and the fascia overlie these. And so they actually, when you have a tightness, for instance, in that gallbladder meridian, you're going to have issues potentially around the premolars, around the upper maxillary premolars. So the uh, these think of the teeth as a switchboard. If you're getting a root canal done, you're having an implant done, you may be on some level messing with that meridian. You got a question about root canals. Could they affect things adversely? I think that depends on the person's resiliency. There's not a magic recipe. There's I think we're always going to have a need to have root canals available in dentistry. It is sometimes the most viable, best way to take care of a horrible toothache pretty quickly, pretty instantly. The other option would be to pull a tooth. Now there are, this is a diff, this is an area of differing opinions in my profession. So some holistic or biologic dentists would say, never, never, never do a root canal. There are different ways to do root canals. We have gotten better. Most endodontists use a microscope these days to go in and clean out these sinuous canals. Doing a root canal on a tooth is where the, the nerve tissue inside the middle of the tooth, inside the innermost chambers of the tooth is removed and um, filling material is placed all the way to the tip of the root. In some cases, they've, we've used in the past either silver points or uh, something that's laden with some cadmium, which is another heavy metal. And so knowing where you are with your heavy metals, trying to be as well as you can are always helpful things. Generally speaking though, when you're faced with potentially needing a root canal or being told that you either need a tooth extracted and maybe an implant placed later because the tooth is abscessed or having a root canal, those are your two options when you have an abscess or a dental infection that's serious. You know, people that opt to do the root canals are needing to do so because they are in pain and maybe they're in a wedding tomorrow or maybe it's their front tooth and they're in a position where they are having imminent, horrible, horrific pain. And you can't think clearly. You need to get out of pain so that you can process what's going on with you. Sometimes you wake up tomorrow and you need this. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't brewing for a long time, but you had no idea. You had no sensitivity. And these things will usually hit you when you're down. Frequently, there's... Well, let me say it this way. Every single patient that I had to see, this is my personal experience, during COVID that had a dental infection, it got to be a habit. I was like, have you had anybody, anybody pass in your family lately? And every single one of them, we're talking like 10 people or so, had had somebody pass away in their family with it, not necessarily from COVID, but I mean, just die during this pandemic where we were isolated and locked down and couldn't leave our homes and they, they were grieving. So a lot of times what will precipitate this event where now you're looking at, you don't typically, you, no one really elects to do root canals. You, you do it when there's an imminent infection. And if you don't treat it and you're ignoring it, you know about it, but you're ignoring it, it's going to constantly wear down your immune system. So it's like pick your poison. You in the past might've had people that, you know, they, they do some sort of a barium, a barium drink to, to diagnose in, on x-ray some problem. It's like pick your poison. Do you want your heart to work or do you not want to drink the drink and now we don't know something that could be very informative and give you more years on your life? With a tooth, it's, it's just a tooth. I mean, you could pull the tooth, maybe it's your front tooth, 
But now, now you're going to have a conversation with your dentist about how do I contend with replacing that missing tooth? So it's, you have two people that smoke, one smokes for 50 years, never has a problem. The other person just, you know, grew up in an office or didn't grow up in an office, but maybe works in an office where there's a coworker that smokes, but there's some secondhand smoke and they get lung cancer. There's, there's different things that you can tolerate that maybe I can't. And in dentistry, that's actually another little conversation because you can have, there's a whole science out there in medicine called gene SNPs or um, single nucleotide polymorphisms. You can do salivary tests. That's what we do in our office or blood testing. And you can find out as a patient, if you don't detox well, because you might have a gene that's been expressed more fully. Maybe an easy way for a layperson to understand what gene SNPs are, these single nucleotide polymorphisms, is to consider if you've ever known a set of identical twins. They looked exactly alike back in elementary school, but by the time they're in their 50s, you can definitely tell a difference between this one and that one, because they've had different life experiences. One loves to watch TV, the other one likes to run marathons. They start turning on the influence of certain of these gene SNPs. So it's not the same as a chromosome issue, but with the turning on of one in particular, it's been highly studied. It's called MTHFR, methyl tetrahydrofolic reductase. That's why we don't say that. We say MTHFR. It's somebody that's hetero, that means from one parent, or homo, which means from both parents, homozygous, they are not going to be able to get rid of inflammatory levels that happen with chemical exposure. So I think what you're looking at is a multifactorial approach and conversation that really would be helpful to have if you've got somebody with chemical sensitivities and they come into the dental office. That's So sometimes some people's doctors, if you're seeing an integrative or a functional doctor out there, they may have heard of this gene SNP therapy. Or it's not so much gene SNP therapy, but the identification of these gene SNPs. Some of those people don't absorb vitamins well. They also tend to pick up these heavy metals more easily. They just can't get rid of them. They, these things get laden in the gut. That sets them up for worse um, taking on of these chemicals that they're exposed to, like the arsenic in their chicken. Lead, a lot of people in America, we don't do lead testing historically, but we have very old pipes. Lead is oftentimes very quite responsible and not helpful for our health. So Aaron, I hope that answers some of those questions. That was excellent. I wanted to ask you about the dental product testing. I've heard or read uh, anecdotally that some people have found them to be not extremely effective. Briefly, what's your view on the dental product testing? Effective or not, please? I'd say it's it's quite effective if you have a, the right type of test. The, um, this particular one, I like it a lot. I used to use one called Clifford testing, but they folded during the COVID era two years ago. So, so if you have your Clifford test results anywhere out there, anyone out there listening to this, and it's about a 40-page report. See if you can get it from that dentist if you don't have it in your hot hand because that company is closed, but it was an excellent test to show biocompatibility. Now, every year, of course, we have new dental materials coming out. So the longer that time is, the more time that's passed, you know, 15 years from now, you know, it may be that we hardly use a lot of those brand names and things on that list. But um, it's a very helpful test, and you want to hold on to your results because you can't do that test. But now I'm using this one called Biocomp Labs. I think they're out of Denver. Yeah, they're out of Colorado Springs. And like I said, these tests generally are all in the same tier in terms of price point, about 350 bucks. It's a blood test. I send people home with a kit. The kit's free. I just have them pay the lab directly, and they can go get a blood sample done at like any lab test. I think it's a very helpful thing if you have somebody out there that is has really had a lot of, lot of struggles, but they've 
I'm sure they've spent a lot of money in a lot of other offices. So for those people that are really price conscious, I'll tell them that, you know, frankly, I've, I, we've, and a lot of our, my colleagues in these groups that I've mentioned, um, we've stripped down our chemicals as much as we can. And I, I generally don't find that they're worse off. They're, they're generally so much better off when they get these heavy metals out of their body. Cause that's like cleaning that oil off of that duck that was in the oil slick. Now they can do what their, their bodies are less heavy, heavily laden with, with toxins. When possible too, all of these things, because there's so many factors that can affect somebody's health, if at all possible, ask your dentist or your doctor if they could have a conversation and or your doctor, if they could have a conversation together because we should be serving you, the public, and we need to all be rowing in the same direction and on the same page. I think it's really important. Your first question to me was how much do we know as a profession on the whole? I think we know some, but this is exploding. And we also have uh, you know, more and more things that are coming out in society that are becoming more and more mainstream in terms of awareness. For instance, the use of uh, glyphosate in our corn, soy, wheat products, where more and more we're realizing, oh my goodness, we need to be eating organic, getting these toxins out that way, driving the demand or the supply because we're demanding it or asking for it, needing it because these things are causing us to be very sick. And um, the correlation with chronic illness, a lot of like neurological problems, it's exponential with exposure to these things. So what we do in dental, in the dental field, we want to lower our toxin load that we're subjecting you to, but we also want to probably get these heavy metals out of your body ultimately when it's the right time for that patient. May I ask you about mouth guards? A lot of people have questions around, are there safe mouth guards for folks with MCS? Yes. So generally all the materials are going to be BPA free. And there's also some these are oftentimes these mouth guards are acrylic or silicon based. The acrylic ones, though, they can also do one for people that have gluten sensitivities. And also, I want to say this about gluten sensitivity. When you have a gluten sensitivity, the enamel is more likely to break down. So you want to honor your absorption in your intestines is not what it could be. And so we see um, a lot of deficiencies with vitamins D, like dog, E, like egg, C, like calcium, A, like apple, D, E, A, C, and K. And so a lot of us dentists will suggest to our patients, you might want to supplement that, or we might do some vitamin testing for that. It's relevant because people who need mouth guards may have clenched or grinded their teeth and there's wear. So the vitamin supplementation or deficiencies, it is connected, isn't it? Definitely. Um, actually, also we have like 22 and a half million people, I think, on Omeprazole, the, pro the purple pill for acid reflux. And when you are on one of these pills that shut down your ability to make stomach acid, you're not going to absorb vitamins in your stomach. And, and there's uh, magnesium, iron, and vitamin D from food sources. Those are what should be absorbed in your stomach. And when you shut that acid down in your stomach, you're not getting the job done where it was supposed to get done. It's getting diverted to the small intestines. It doesn't work the same way. It's, it's, a, it's a good question to ask about the materials, but generally you'll find everything being BPA-free. But the question is, why are you grinding? Okay, it's not just that you're grinding, oh, let's make you a plastic guard. Uh, that's the easy answer, but it's not the full answer to me. The full answer is to do a deeper dive and find out the why. 
the cause. And that's what integrative and functional medicine or dentistry is about is let's get to the cause. So a lot of times um, there could be a history of a birth trauma or um, a concussion, even 20 years ago, or you may have a magnesium deficiency, maybe from the purple pill, or excuse me, I don't want to quote something, but you know, from these, from these, some of these pharmaceuticals, the side effects of these pharmaceuticals frequently are, you're not going to absorb certain vitamins as well. So let's look at your, this is why your health history. And if we had it ahead of time, before you come in for your first visit, we can really scour that and have a, a, a really pertinent conversation with you about, hey, you know, in the fine print on these acid reflux tablets, it says, talk to your doctor after eight weeks of use. Do I still have to be on this? And then how do I get off? Because you can't just go cold turkey. You want to wean off. So how do we manage this? Um, so we work with people with a nutrition program a little bit too, to help just to try to give that support. You need support when you're going through this journey that you're on with chemical sensitivities. So we also, in terms of metal, let's say you have an orthodontic wire. There are certain wires. One is called Elgiloy. It's a specific alloy because there's such a need. There's such a need. So we've had to strip away all of our nickel. Even 20 years ago, we knew that 20% of our population couldn't tolerate nickel in their mouth. They would have chronic gingivitis, gum inflammation next to that nickel exposure. So there are materials you can request. Just be really upfront and open about your chronic health issues because we are always growing and changing and developing better, I think, better and better in dentistry. And we want to support our patients. The, the mouth is really the key to the, the whole body health. This is the tip of the iceberg right here, just as the eyes are the window the, to the soul. The mouth is, is a window into what else is going on in the whole body. So um, inflammation here, or just the fact that you've got food crossing over these, these metal fillings in your mouth, the type, the choices we have, we have a lot of choices of materials. Those are all pertinent conversations. Some of my patients, you know, they, they've really gone deeply into complementary alternative medicine, which has wonderful, I hate calling it that because it has wonderful, wonderful support mechanisms for a lot of my patients. They're, they're very well steeped in, in science and evidence-based medicine. They just don't get the, the broadcast power that our Western medicine has gotten. But some of our patients are even going into like muscle testing and things like that. I'd say that's a that's been a very effective tool for a lot of my patients to use. And, and it helps you trust yourself more because it's something you can even do to some degree on your own. So what I'm getting at with muscle testing is uh, maybe they see a chiropractor. And so I'll give them a sample, an ingot of maybe the porcelain that we're going to use Take that back to your doctors, your holistic your practitioner, your naturopath. Have them do some testing. If so, maybe they could do that in a less, in a more cost-effective way than this big old lab test that I was talking about earlier. There's also something out there called EVA testing, electronic voltage assessment testing. It's not muscle testing and it's not blood work. It's using conductivity and biofeedback using a computer program that can help indicate how reactive your body is going to be if something were, you know, intentionally placed in your mouth. You mentioned muscle testing. So mm -hmm. let's just say I were to go to your office and you were to give me some product that you might be considering putting on my teeth, a replacement tooth, for example. It, could I do that muscle testing on my own? Could I hold it in my hand or do something to test? What, what yes. would that involve? Yes, you can. Uh, well, you might first even uh, practice before you're in that situation on some things you know. Like, Aaron, your name's Aaron, right? It's not Amy. So like one thing you could do is some people will use even like a pendulum. So this particular one involves, it measures for something called BG3, which is um, not in the green light spectrum 
well, obviously it's not green, but in the, the French scientists about 100 years ago, it sort of stopped with the advent of World War II, had really gotten into using wavelength technology for healing purposes. And they found that, for instance, EMFs can cause a negative green. It's almost like in the grayscale, a scalar wavelength. It's a type, it's in physics, it's a type of wavelength. Instead of being a nice ocean wave, it's more of a vertical wave. And it can be very damaging to health if it's not applied well. Um, so some people will use a pendulum. It doesn't have to be a fancy one like this one that's testing specifically for BG3, but some people will go to like a store and maybe they have two types of vitamin C, for example, and they might have their pendulum. It could be something that means a lot to you, but it's not something you would generally wear a lot, but you could hold it over and just see if it spins clockwise faster, faster or slower. If I pick up a, ni a nice test with a pendant is to pick up maybe like a, a phone. So I happen to have my phone here. So you can see if when you hold that, this is how they teach it. If you hold this, and some people may not believe in this, but you can just tie it for yourself. I'm not, I really am not manipulating my pendant, but it's going to start spinning counterclockwise. Okay. If it's not a helpful thing for me. Now, if I pick up something else that might be good for me. Is there anything here good for me? If I had um, a vitamin C or I happen to have a um, a protein drink. I don't know if it'll like it or not. We'll find out. But um, the, the faster something spins, it's going to, it's clockwise. Now this is clockwise for me. It's, it means I like it better. So some people go with that. It's something you can play with and see if that rings true for you. Um, I mentioned your name being Aaron and mine being Amy, because some people will actually um, do it another way. They'll, they'll stand on their tiptoes. And if they fall forward, when they say something that's true about themselves, that they know is true, your name's Aaron. If they fall forward, that that's their way of their body way of confirming this is that's right you got it so now now you have two different vitamin c's or something which one's better do you seem to do you seem to lean in on it faster or harder more more definitely that might be another way to think about that but if you fall back that's that's false so aaron if you like stood up and tried to my name is amy with conviction and you fall back that might not work another way is to um you want to touch it you would want to touch the whatever it is you're trying to consider two different types of celery the organic is the organic really worth it <laughs> versus the non-organic see if uh, when you hold it and you make a little circle with your index and finger and thumb you do a test that you know is true my name is amy i'm strong now i say my name is aaron and i break i try to go with the same intensity and i break when something's not not true for me it's like some people say it's your higher self it, and this is getting into like energy medicine. We could talk about that for a while. It's a very interesting growing field too, but it's it's being confirmed with quantum physics. So it's in, in my mind, it's it's like I said, it's being confirmed with quantum physics. So it's it's something we are continuing to have normal English verbiage to understand, to pull in and, and, and accept because it's not something we necessarily see. <laughs> like you see a litmus paper test. Well, if it turns blue, it's this result. If it turns red, it's that result. So it's more of a practicing what you know. I live at such and such address. Uh, my phone number is blah, blah, blah. And then you say your friend's phone number, see how that tests for you. And now just then it, you just see, but learn to trust your intuition. I think so much we have externalized so much of what we tell ourselves about who we are. And I think so much of this, I think a lot of people in their journey to get well, especially from something like chemical sensitivities, you, you start realizing you're not going to get heard from everybody. Not everybody understands what you're talking about. That's why it's so important to find a community that 
that supports, but find what works for other people. And you will find, for instance, there's a lot of chiropractors. I had to go learn how to do muscle testing because I had patients coming in from their chiropractors, not just one, but several. I'm like, well, what is that? I didn't get taught that in school. So I need to understand that so I can support and lean in and have some words of, so I can hold that space for that patient and know maybe how to coach them, help them find where they're needing to go first or the most. Anybody in healthcare, we don't, we don't really heal people. The patient, I believe, heals themselves. We are here to support. Well, I, you know, it's just been fascinating listening and hearing you. And, you know, my wish would be that everyone would have an opportunity to see a dentist who has such a wealth of knowledge about and multiple chemical sensitivity that you have. I know that's not the case, but wouldn't be nice, right? If, if I we hope we'll get, I hope we'll get there. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I hope there'll be some other dentists out there that hear some of this. And, and I am one person. There, there's, there are other dentists that know so much more or different. Again, we don't have a standardized way to do this yet. So we're learning and taking notes and we are starting to teach some classes. I'm able to start teaching in some of the mainstream dental forums. And I'm so excited because it doesn't mean I'm, I don't, I'm never done learning. I have to keep learning. I'm not the expert. I'm, I'm a, I'm a student just like the rest of us hopefully are. And uh, so, but just remember that doctor means teacher. So you want to find a personality out there that is willing to show you and listen empathically. Well, Dr. Darius, thank you so much for everything you've shared. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast. Thank you very much to Dr. Amy Darius for speaking with me. The podcast is produced by me, Aaron Goodman, and Rainy Novak. We release new episodes twice a month. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can now subscribe to get bonus episodes featuring experts on MCS and information you won't hear anywhere else. Subscribing helps us continue making the podcast available and creating greater awareness about MCS. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help others learn about the podcast and find us on social media. Just search for the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast or Podcasting MCS. Share your comments about anything you hear on the podcast. You can watch the podcast on YouTube. Read closed captions in any language you like. Support the podcast. You can find a link to our Patreon site in the episode descriptions at chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. And if there's someone you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast or topic you'd like us to explore, just let us know. Email info at chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. And thanks for listening.